You're listening to the Auburn Express. What's up and good morning, War Report family. It's your guy, Ike Jones. We are here with another morning drop. Today, we are going to talk about this pass rush and how is Auburn going to get after the opposing team's quarterback. Y'all know how we do right here, War Report style. Let's drop it on them. Morning Drop Tuesday morning. It is August the 15th. You got Ike Jones in here with Mike Chicka Chicka Jizzle, baby. We are talking today about the guys on the outside, those outside linebacker hybrid defensive end jack the jack position today part of our position right now yeah we're gonna get in here we're gonna talk about the guys that are going to get after the quarterback um it's been a room that if we're being honest has has lacked some stuff right now we haven't had this exact position at auburn in a couple of years but it's been a room as far as the edge rusher is concerned where auburn hasn't been great right we've been good not great. Hopefully this year we can turn it around. Rushing the passer is probably the single most important area of improvement that Auburn needs to make year over year. Um, lack of pressure on a quarterback led to a lot of adverse circumstances for this defense. I think it put a lot of pressure on the secondary, leaving them on islands at times. Uh, and if they can find a way to generate pass rush, then... I think that you see this defensive backfield thrive a little bit. Now, we heard a little bit about the defensive backs struggling with some things during camp. Hopefully, they're cleaning that up now. But certainly, it gets a lot easier if you can get pressure off the edge. So, right. we we know, we've talked about this so much this offseason. In Ron Roberts' defense, the jack position is super important. Uh, so, they went out and they attacked that position in the portal. I'm, it's going to be interesting to see how these guys step up, man, and and, right. and, and try to fill in. Uh, we've been having a lot of conversation with a lot of players. Haven't had the pleasure of speaking to very many people in that Jack room, but we did talk to Elijah McAllister out there at uh, SEC Media Days and talking about his role coming up. He is going to be one of the senior leaders on this team to transfer over from Vanderbilt. So um, he's not uh, really a guy that's known for his pass rushing ability, but I do like the leadership that he brings to the team and the tenacity that people say that he's bringing, the the, the professionalism that he's bringing to a, how he approaches the job. And I think that that's going to be something that rubs off on other guys that are in there in that room with him. Yeah, I agree. Um, look, uh, his teammates have praised his leadership ability, well, which is certainly important. But ultimately, you need ability on the field as well, too. Uh, so, uh uh, happy to have his leadership ability, um, but uh, the actual physical ability that it takes to be a top-level pass rusher in the SEC, uh, that's what's going to be most important. So um, hopefully he's showing these guys the, you know, the ropes and, and helping them understand the concepts and uh, the techniques. And you know what it means for Auburn is, is that sack after sack you know, in right. important situations. So yeah. we'll, we'll definitely see. But I do have my eyes on Elijah McAllister as well. Yeah, let's let's take a listen to Coach Freeze. He had some comments from after the scrimmage uh, about the pass rush, and let's just listen to what he's talking about, and then we'll get into looking at the guys that are actually in this room. Uh, Jalen McLeod and Steven Sings have changed that uh, for the better for us. They can get after the quarterback, and um, 
you know, I think you got to have some third down packages where both of them are probably in the game because they probably are our most dynamic pass rushers right now. So we're better than we were in spring. We'll see how good we are when you get when it gets real, but I do know we're better than we were. Yeah, so Coach Freeze talking about the improvement of the pass rush, particularly talking about two new guys in that room, Jalen McLeod and Steven Sings. Let's take a look at the entire position as it's listed on the Auburn website for the Jack position, and we'll talk about those two guys in particular, but let's see what we've got on the roster as it stands right now. You've got... Uh, the guy we just mentioned, Elijah McAllister, 6'6", 271 senior, again, the transfer from Vanderbilt. You've got the young guy, Keldrick Falk, 6'6", 288, mm. true freshman, uh, the guy that flipped over from Florida State. Going to be playing a lot of defensive end, so may not be exclusively in that jack position, but going to be playing some defensive end as well. Steven Sings, the guy that he mentioned, the transfer over from Liberty, 6'3", 248 junior, Brenton Williams, the 6'3", 262 freshman, a good pickup there. Hayden Bryce, 6'3", 239 senior. If you guys remember from A-Day, Hayden Bryce uh, recorded, I think, the might have been the only sack in, in A-Day, but did de definitely register a sack in A-Day. Uh, Jalen McLeod, aforementioned by Coach Hugh Free, 6'1", 237 junior transfer uh, from Appalachian State. And then John Martin Richter, 6'2", 215 a uh, freshman there. So as we look at this Jack room, this position, and thinking about the comments that Coach Freeze said about the improvement from just those two guys, Sings and McLeod, what are your thoughts on where we stand with this Jack position in this position group? Uh, Stephen Sings is a is a is a name I had not heard a lot this summer. Uh, so it's part of the fun of fall camp is there's always a name right that arises that wasn't being talked about a ton. Uh, with the guys, you know, Falk has been getting plenty of pub. You know, we've heard about Elijah McAllister, uh, Jalen McLeod, who we, we've had. But Steven Sings, I was interested to hear Hugh Freeze bring his name up uh, there. So uh, super interesting to see him kind of arise uh, yeah. because I kind of know what I expect from the others. Keltrick Falk, man, uh, hopefully this begins uh, kind of a flow of them developing young guys at that position as well, too. So. Yeah. Um, it seems like there's been a rush to the portal to try to find pass rushers. You know, um, they got um, I was a kid from Northwestern out of the portal. Echo oh yeah, Echo Um, You know, they've 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 gotten some 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 pretty good guys out of the portal, but I still feel like if you're going to build a dom dominant program. You have to do it through high school recruiting. Um, and uh, you know, these guys, Keldrick Falk, you know, is is is, is going to be part of that. Um, but these guys, man, I, I'm I'm surprised to hear Singh's name emerge in this. And, and when I tell you, I, I heard nothing about him. Yeah. Like, literally, it feels like he came out of nowhere uh, to, to be a factor in this. So they're going to rotate a bunch of guys at that position. But, man, I mean, if they've got three guys there, my question is, is that enough? Mm -hmm. And this defense, is three guys enough to rotate at, between McAllister, Falk, um, uh, well, I, I guess four guys, Singh's and McLeod. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, is that enough? Yeah, I, I certainly would hope so. Yeah, uh, of course, the rotation should be pretty good. Um, you know, the question is really going to be early downs, who's going to be getting the most reps there when it's a it's not an obvious passing situation. Coach Freeze talked about the sub packages where, you know, maybe on third down, you'll have both Sings and McLeod in there mm -hmm. as pass rush specialists so that you can't just lean in one direction or the other. Um, 
But you know what sticks out the absolute most to me from this graphic and this right here? Number one, going to find a picture of somebody. I had to get an obvious practice picture, right, of someone in an Auburn uniform. But that was is what made me realize, other than Hayden Bryce, not a single player on this graphic in this jack position has played a single down at Auburn University. And even mm. in the case of Hayden Bryce, hasn't had very many snaps because he's been wow. buried on the depth chart. And he's a senior in that room. No snaps at Auburn for anybody listed as at the jack position on the roster right now. Wow. Yeah, that's... Uh... That's flipping that's, in room completely. That's that's my that's mind blowing actually. Yeah. That's mind blowing. Uh, zero experience here, right? At the now you got position. snaps and you got collegiate snaps, of course. Yeah, I'm saying like Auburn experience though. Yeah, but none of these guys have played a single down for Auburn University except for Hayden Bryce, and again, that's very limited because he had been buried on the depth chart. Yeah. Wow. I don't even know what to say. I don't even say about that. <laughs> Um, but it shouldn't be shocking because we know over half of this roster now is constructed from guys from high school or the portal. Right. So, um, you know, if we took a look at other positions, I wouldn't be surprised that there were shockingly little snaps come returning on campus at other positions as well, too. Uh, In the other positions, you would probably not have a lot of snaps, but you would at least have more guys who'd worn the uniform on a game day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, you're probably position. still going to have a lot of people who are going to be in the top two or in, in your two deep who haven't played any Auburn snaps. Mm -hmm. But this one right here, again, uh, to have this number of guys and only one guy even worn, even gone through a freaking tiger walk, <laughs> right. <laughs> Only one guy can say he's done that on a game day for Auburn. And that's Hayden Bryce. Every single one of these guys is going to be a brand new environment for them playing in Jordan hair their first time when they play and suit up against UMass here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, it's going to be brand new. It's going to be brand new. It's going to be interesting. Uh, uh, U UMass is, is, I think is a good test for them to try to see if they're, you know, how sound, assignment sound these guys are. Um, see if they can physically dominate a weaker opponent, Ike. Um, but, you know, of these guys, look at Keldrick Fox playing at 288. Yeah. Big guy. Freshman, big but guy. already already out there looking six, like a six, grown man. 288. Uh, so that stands out. Um, Elijah McAllister is right behind him at 271. Um, now, see, listen, then, I stood right next to Elijah McAllister, and he did make me feel like a little child standing next to him. Sure. 66271, but just imagine 66288 standing next to him. Oh, that my feels, goodness. That feels monstrous. It's like a tackle weight almost, right? Like, um, yeah, he definitely looks like he could play, you know, uh, this, which is why I think he's going to be playing a lot of defensive end. It's going to be interesting to see how they mix and match guys uh, in this defensive front. Uh, with the versatility that I think a guy like Keldrick Falk brings to you and being able to be, you know, whether or not he's going to be able to be an effective pass rusher, I think is going to be one thing, but he is definitely going to be a monster to handle on uh, the defensive inside or the edge of that defense uh, in the run game. Right, right. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> wow. Um, but look how much smaller the other two candidates are playing at. Right. Right. Um, Sings at 248. And I mean, there's 40 pounds of difference between him and Falk. Yeah. Right. Um, and M McLeod at 237. So there is 51 pounds of difference between him and, and Keldrick Falk. 
Which is interesting, right? Because you watch the film on uh, Jalen McLeod. I don't have any on Steven Sings. I'll see if I can get some. But we've already done a watch the film session on Jalen McLeod. And he plays with really great leverage. But I think the smaller size is what lends to his speed around the edge. Because he is sudden. And he actually plays with a lot of power to be a guy who is... I mean, he's the second smallest guy in that room. At 6'1", 237, he's the second lightest. But he's the shortest uh, by two inches, or excuse me, one inch, if you're talking counting John Martin Richter, who I believe is a walk-on freshman player there. Um, not listed here, Gordon Powell, of course, or Powell Gordon. I don't know why I say his name backwards every single time, but Powell Gordon, who is rumored to be playing over in the Jack position a little bit more that he now that he's rejoined the team. Uh, but yeah, he's easily the smallest guy out there. Another guy who is missing from this graphic who with, was going to be playing more on that edge potentially in the jack was going to be a guy like Demario Tolan who was supposed to be sliding out there to that position. So we are, um, I, I think it's to your point, the rotation of how these guys are going to play. Do you have three to four strong candidates mm-hmm. that you can rotate in and out and hopefully weather little nicks uh, of injury throughout the season to be able to be consistent in the way that you pass rush. Man, because when, when Echo Leota went down last year, I think our pass rush went to hell. It did. It did. It was tough. It was tough when he went down, even with Derek Hall still out there. Yeah. Yeah, it was tough when he went down. So um, uh, having four guys who could possibly do the job, I just I just wonder how differently they're going to, you know, the difference between 288 and 237, you know, and those guys, you know, is he going to be able to, you know, uh, get under the pads, you know, uh, you know, keep leverage and, and get past the offensive lineman um, untouched, right? Like, you know, does he, is, is this a speed thing for these smaller guys? Yeah, for sure. Where, yeah, where they're just, you know, beating them off the edge and, you know, for McAllister and Falk, uh, more maybe like a contained type deal because they're stronger and, and bigger to be able to take on, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, tackles. So yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I'm, um, I'm uh, the weights here are, sh- are shocking to me. Uh, because the four guys that have been talked about, you know, like you said, you got, you got, uh, the lightweights and the heavyweights, literally. Yeah. Right? yeah it's going to so. be a drastic difference in, in style of play and just what they're able to bring. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very interested to see what those combinations are going to look like, as I said before. War Report family, you are listening to The Morning Drop, where we talk about the most recent and relevant Auburn sports news. We broadcast live from The War Report's YouTube channel on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 Central Time. You're welcome to come watch it live, but the live chat is reserved for our YouTube channel members only. So come on by, become a member, and get active in the best Auburn sports community on the webs. We'll be right back after we pay a couple bills. Thanks for sticking around through the ad break. Now here's the rest of your morning drop. We'll get the comments started off this morning with a super chat coming in here from B-Wheel's forehead who says 18 days, the number of days we are away from Auburn football coming back to the Plains. Hopefully everybody's excited. 18 days away, man. It feels like a long time, but not a long time at the same time. 18 days. Uh, and you know what? It's going to be over real quick. Yeah. <laughs> December is going to be here before you know it. And we're all going to hate our lives for eight months. 
Yeah, it's gonna, we're going to look yep. back and say, wow, that flew <laughs> wow. past and we, oh, it felt like it took forever to get here. Yeah, that was a quick seven and five. <laughs> uh, let's see here Jaquan Grant says do y'all think it is possible Keldrick Falk will have 10 sacks this season 10 sacks wow at 288 we'll see I mean I, I don't know man I don't know I have so many questions I'm not yeah. ready to make this prediction I'm not um, ready to make this prediction I think it's possible I think it's possible mm-hmm. and here's why I think it's possible is that I think if they want to get him more run at a true Jack position, it's going to come during some of the cupcake games. So against UMass first game, against Samford game three, maybe late game against Cal if we get the opportunity. I think he's got an opportunity to potentially pad that number early in the season, maybe get two to five sacks those first three games just to just because he's playing against lesser competition, but he's already an, an elite talent. Um, and then you got a you know a cream puff towards the end of the season. Maybe he can get a couple of more there. And if he mm-hmm. if he litters you know five sacks throughout the other games in the season, yeah, he could potentially get there. I think a more realistic number is seven or eight, but I, I don't see why ten is out of the question if he's dominating early against cream puffs and they're rotating him in late game to get him more experience at the jack. Right. Right. Agree. Uh, let's see what else we got here. 94 AU alum says height, weight difference stands out to me. 6'6, 272, yeah, 80 man. drops to 6'3, low 260s. It's staggering. I I mean, it's staggering. So, yeah. I think it's I, interesting, though, that they opted in the portal to go after guys that are smaller. Like even some of the other guys that we heard that they were going after, the Cincinnati transfer and some mm-hmm. of the other guys that they were bringing in, um, they wanted smaller, faster guys to come in and play the jack position, it seemed. Elijah McAllister was an early uh, transfer portal pickup, but in that second window, it seems like they said, we want fat. We want more speed coming off of that edge. And so they went out and they found some guys who could give a speed rush. Right, right, exactly. Um, I mean, if you came in after the spring period, um, you didn't have much time to put weight on if that was the plan. Right. So you're probably going to have to play. You could put a little weight on, I think, like safely. Uh, but, you know, putting on that weight changes your game. So if you've been playing at a certain weight and you put on that much weight, you've got to put on a lot of strength as well, too, to carry that sort of frame. Right. Just, I mean, go to, if you if you don't get what this is like, go to the gym right now, pick up a 40-pound weight, and you just carry it around with you. Yeah. All day. Right. Um, it's it a lot of... <laughs> Listen, man, I, I started developing knee problems as I started to gain weight just because mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't bird building. I was just getting sloppy, right? So yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. as you yeah. start to do that, you got to figure out how to support the base of all of that's got to be in the right place or otherwise, like you said, you're it causes more issues than just making you slower, right? right. Like your your body doesn't respond the same way when you're trying to move around and it and it's gonna you're gonna get injuries a lot more easily if you haven't figured out how to maintain a healthy weight to fit the frame that you've got to, you got it facts. packaged on. Yeah, that's facts. Um, you know, a lot of times what you see with uh, pro linemen as soon as they retire, the first thing they do is drop eighty pounds. Yeah, because when you're not doing those NFL workouts anymore and you don't have the strength to support that much weight, your knees and your back will go quickly, right? Um, so it is important too that your training, um, your conditioning 
catches up with the weight that they want you to play at. Um, and we heard from uh, the guys uh, from from Mr. Uh, uh, Batty that <laughs> strength and conditioning has been going what He has been completely enamored with the strength and conditioning coach, uh, who I hope to have on <laughs> uh, for an interview. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, hopefully we can get some more of the coaching staff in and talk to them because I'd love to be able to have conversations with them around the fire pit as mm-hmm. well. Yep. Haley jumps in and says, I'm going to be honest. I don't want UMass to be a test for any position. I need that game to be easy picking for everyone. I still have PTSD from San Jose State. <laughs> oh, Listen, Georgia Haley. State and San Jose State in back-to-back seasons was... Um, that was painful as an Auburn fan to watch us struggle with teams that from a talent and athleticism standpoint shouldn't have even been in the same stadium with Auburn. But we we struggled to put up points until late game San Jose State. Georgia State was a dogfight the entire time. We needed a last second uh, touchdown to even win that game. So it's um yeah, I don't want I don't want any struggle games. I agree with Haley on this one one hundred percent. Um Hopefully, we just go out there and physically dominate every team, but specifically UMass, Samford, uh, New Mexico State. Those three games shouldn't be in question at any point in time outside of the first quarter. Absolutely. Another chat here from James Morris who says, so how many overall turnovers do you all expect to force this year? Let's see. Um, I think if they force... Six a game <laughs> for 12 straight games. <laughs> that would win most games. So 50. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, I, I mean, I think, I, we have not I, I, been I, I, opportunistic I mean, defense. Need to be uh, plus two. I hope they are plus two turnovers a game. I, I, you know, if two and a half turnovers a game, um, I would set the over under at two. And just see, see what they can do. Force fumbles, then at least one interception. Uh, interceptions has been a statistical area where Auburn has lacked, if you ask me, even with some of the better defensive backs that have come through. Um, they're knocking the ball down. They're just not picking it off a whole lot. Right. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But I, <laughs> um, this, this is probably one of the most... Um, one of the best predictors, I think, of whether a team will win or not is the turnover margin. And James comes back and says, for reference, they had 13 total turnovers last year. That's, that's, that's actually crazy. awful. That's, that's <laughs> terrible. Yeah. That's awful. Right? So the over-under would have been at one <laughs> most games, right? Yeah, right. or like .75. Will they get a turnover this game right. next on Auburn football? Right? So we have... Um, you know, they've got to do that. They've got to, I think, two, 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 two and a, over two and a half. They've got to get like three turnovers a game here and find a way to turn teams over, right? Yeah. Um, and give their offense a short field to work with at times. Um, because when you lose a turnover battle, like I said, I, it is one of the, the best predictors of winning or losing is winning or losing the turnover battle. Right. Turn the ball up. And, and, and remember what Hugh Free said about the quarterbacks. None of them turned it over. And the scrimmage, and I think that that should be encouraging for a lot of, uh, of 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 guys. Like none of the quarterbacks turn the ball over. Great, <laughs> because in this league, you cannot give teams additional chances to beat you. Right, right. I mean, think think about it this way. Like, think about Auburn versus Missouri last year. Yeah. Right. 
a turnover at the worst possible time was the literal difference between winning and losing. Right. But he couldn't hold on to the ball. He forgot his fundamentals. He would have been better just going out of bounds with the ball in his hand and them yep. having four chances from the one. Yep. Right. But he reached it out and he was not fundamentally sound and he dropped it and it cost them a whole ass win. <laughs> like, it, I, I, can't, I can't stress this enough, man. Turnovers in this league will kill you. And But if you remember before that, Robbie had an almost turnover that, ended, that would have been yeah. the game. Tipped pass that almost ended in an interception. interception. Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, this is an important question, you know, and I think that we'll, you know, we'll be, we'll talk about this as the season goes along. But when you talk about sacks, you know, getting to the quarterback also means sometimes first forcing turnovers once you get yeah. there. And I, that's but what so, I was going to say. The pass rush is a big portion mm-hmm. of this. Like, yeah. Are you making it uncomfortable for that quarterback? So he starts making mistakes or he starts seeing ghosts out there and throw into spots where he thinks a guy is going to be, but he's a little bit too early or he's a little bit too late because he's trying to, are we making it uncomfortable for the opposing team's quarterbacks? That's how you generate more interceptions. And Mm -hmm. then from like, this has been the, the odd thing I think for Auburn over the last couple of seasons is the number of forced fumbles we have versus fumble recoveries. We were forcing a good amount of fumbles the last few seasons. We just weren't recovering them, man. It's like it, the ball never bounced in our direction in a lot of those situations. Right. We have not been opportunistic on defense, but I think a lot of that comes back to, again, the pass rush. Because honestly, the guys who have the the most vulnerability and the least ball security is the mm-hmm. quarterback. That's right. They're out there trying to hold on to the ball. They're tr- you know, and then at some point in time, they're gonna that that hand's gonna separate and they're gonna get ready to go into a throwing motion. Who are going to be the guys that are going to be there as soon as that QB thinks it's safe to to pounce on that opportunity to get get a fumble, get a tip of a pass, something like that, to be able to force more turnovers for our defense? Um, we got to have it this year, man. We got to have right. it. Absolutely. Uh, so hopefully we are in a better position to be doing all of those things. All right. Uh, any final words before we get out of here, Mike? Yeah, look, uh, we're going to keep an eye on the Jack position. We did talk to Jalen McLeod yesterday in player interviews up at the uh, at the Performance Center. Uh, you know, those guys are, are supremely confident in what they can accomplish this year. I think there's a lot of good energy in the room. Uh, defensively, it's going to be super important uh, based on what, you know, kind of struggles they have early offensively, which I do expect. I expect Auburn to, sh- to struggle offensively in the first few games, um, at least to through the air. Uh, while they try to figure out what it is they have and, you know, who's going to be quarterback or whatnot. So that race is starting to kick up. Um, classes start tomorrow, I believe, uh, for students at Auburn. Um, and it's it's almost time to get into season prep mode. So they don't have much longer to figure things out in camp. Like you have to decide who, who's your what's what's who's at your two deep. Um, and then you've got to turn your attention toward UMass and putting in a game plan and knowing who's going to be there to execute that game plan. So uh, looking forward to moving forward here and, and seeing what Hugh Freeze has for us uh, at every position. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We'll be back at you all with another morning drop tomorrow morning, talking a little bit more Auburn football. Until then, and as always, War Eagle, we're out of here. Peace. <laughs>